It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spread it across the country. Here we go back. This is the moment. Tonight is the night. We'll fight till it's over. So we put our hands up like the ceiling can't hold us. Like the ceiling can't hold us. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast. But this is Lockdown Rams. It's the Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams. So we've got our man Jake Ellenbogen from Downtown Rams with us. We've got a great episode today. We're going to talk a little bit about obviously this matchup in Dallas and what it's like and how we're feeling coming in this game and how that has changed over the last couple of weeks as far as our expectations of this team. And we're also going to look at some of the injuries on the team and how they affect how this team has been playing and, and what are we going to do as far as getting some of those guys back into the lineup and what we should do about that as well as you know looking at some of the success we've had and what are some of those reasons uh, that we've seen this Rams team really turn around especially offensively Uh, then of course we're going to get into some uh, predictions and thoughts and all that good stuff here on a typical lockdown Rams Thursday so before we get going make sure to go give us a follow on social media la underscore rambling bears the personal at Lockdown Rams, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook group. You can find our guest, Jake, at JK Bogan DTR, as well as at DTR on Twitter. Check out the website. They're putting up content constantly as well. We always appreciate him joining us here. Uh, but like I said, got a jam-packed show. So with that, let's just get right into it. I'm Bear Mutter of Lockdown Rams. I'm joined by Jake Ellenbogen of Downtown Rams. And this is your lead story. Jake, the past few weeks, we have talked about must-win games. In fact, even going back to that Pittsburgh game, we were talking about it as a must-win game. Looking at this week in Dallas, it's still the same story. Uh, But if you look at it a little bit differently, the Rams have played so much better the last couple weeks. And now, uh, I may be a little naive here, but I'm not as worried as I was the past couple weeks with the way that they've played. Has this team found their stride at the right time and are we a little too ahead of ourselves to be this confident no 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 I don't I don't think we're too ahead of ourselves at all I definitely think this team is peaking at the right time Um, I think their counterpart the team that's pretty much just doing what they are doing just in the AFC would be the Titans right now so I think those are the two scariest teams I just talked about this um, you know on our uh, podcast last night like look you know if anybody in the NFC right now if you had to pick anybody that you're scared of uh, for me, I mean, it would be the 49ers just because of like what we've already seen from them, but there's not one team in the NFC. That's like, Oh, we have like, there's no chance the Rams will beat them. Like right now, I think the Rams peaking at the time that they're peaking, they've now, um, whether it was the plan all along or not, uh, they've really, uh, held Todd Gurley back in a good way. Um, you know, may have cost them some games. So as long as they get in the big dance, uh, it's not going to really matter uh, because they're going to have a fresh Todd Gurley, something they didn't have last year. Uh, Jared Goff, who, you know, it was weird how he struggled pretty much all of this year. And in the latter portion of the year, he's starting to really turn it on. 
And uh, last year, you know, he was great pretty much the whole year. And then the latter portion, he started to kind of fall off the wagon. The defense took forever to really get going. And then you saw in the Super Bowl how great the defense was. But I've said it, you know, coming in this year, this is a better football team. This is a team I had at 15-1. I think that they lost their way due to the offensive line. I think the offensive line issues really threw them off. I think it threw Jared Goff off from the, the start of the season. Todd Gurley's knee, the whole, you know, the basically the worst kept secret in the NFL. I just think a lot of turnover and everything threw them off. So right now it is not a surprise for me to see the way that they are playing. It's not a surprise for me to see how they responded coming from, you know, coming off that awful loss on Monday night football. And it's not a surprise for me to say, look, I think the Rams are going to win out and I think they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And I I love all that from you and and the confidence there, because right now the way they're playing, as you said, we have all the right uh, to have that confidence because this has looked like the offense of last year and we're finally moving the football. And there's a few things I think, you know, to kind of add to what you were talking about on why I think we have kind of hitting into the great stride at the right time. And, and a lot of that is, you know, offensively, I think it's the success we're seeing on early downs. McVay talked about it in his press conference today. And I think when you get Sean McVay in a third and three, third and four, it opens up the playbook. You hear that all the time as you're, you know, listening to games. And you say, oh, they're in a manageable situation. They've got a ton of plays that they can call. And when you give Sean McVay that opportunity and the way that Jared Goff's been playing, obviously, with getting the ball out fast, making quick decisions, um, those two combinations allow us to move the football and be a lot better on third down conversions. Because when it's third and eight, third and ten, defenses are pinning their ears back and our receivers got to go a little bit further down the field. And all of a sudden, Jared's getting that pressure and you know feeling the heat and he's forcing the ball. Uh, you're not seeing the great success that you do when you know it's third, three, third and four. Uh, those crossing routes and getting not only getting it to guys, but in in a position to where they can then go get some yards after the catch. So I think that's a big part of it offensively, uh, those short down and really those first and second down where we're moving the football. And if you look at it, we're starting to get back to the run again on first and second down, which is nice uh, using Todd Gurley. Of course, we're seeing some better O-line protection. And then on the defense side, I mean, talk about Jalen Ramsey and the effect that he's had, you know, Yes, he's giving up catches, and yes, he's giving up uh, some yards. But actually, this was this came in from our Lockdown Rams Facebook group. Ryan Sloan uh, hit me with an ESPN stat, and I think you kind of seen it around the internet. But six weeks without Jalen in the lineup, the Rams only had 13 sacks. Seven weeks with Jalen in the lineup, the Rams have had 30 sacks. Talking about that difference, and you know we've seen Troy Hill even look at as a better corner at certain times during this stretch, but. What the defense has allowed in that secondary for the guys up front, those front four, those front seven to go get pressure. And he kind of says that, and I'll read a little bit of what he says. It's not about the interceptions or pass deflects. Playing man frees our front seven to chase the quarterback. It's a team game. Jalen is an impact player, much like AD. He affects every snap on the D, whether it shows up in the stat column or not. I totally agree with that. And it's been fun to watch these guys not only offensively get back to it, but defense just go to a next level, obviously throughout that Ravens game. But um, it's been awesome to watch. And I think me and you are both on the same side as far as this thing is going the right direction. You mentioned the Tennessee Titans, uh, the Rams kind of doing the same thing here in the NFC. And like you said, I don't think anybody, you know, in that playoff world. And if you're the Vikings, you're looking behind you going, oh, crap. Why we got these guys chasing us right now? Guys that you know, know what the playoff experience like in the last two years, know how to play down the stretch. Uh, So it's been tough. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that on the other side. We're going to talk about uh, some of the other things that have to get right in these last few games. You talked about winning out and going and 
getting ourselves into the playoffs. All that and more. Thursday edition, more right after this. And here to help you out in more ways than one is our man, Dave Robles. It is insane to me right now that Dave Robles is offering season tickets to the 2020 brand new stadium. And all you guys have to do is pick up the phone. Give the man a call. What can it hurt? If you're looking to buy or sell a home, he is the man you need to talk to. 213-712-4343. Or go check out his website, daverobles.com. It's not just me saying it's awesome. Also check his Yelp and Zillow reviews. Hands down, he is the best here in Los Angeles. He's an LA native and he knows the city in and out. He's been a top producing realtor in LA for over 20 years. And he's giving away season tickets, folks. 2020, whether you think the team is good or bad, that stadium is going to be legit and you can have a pair of seats if you just call Dave Robles and talk to him about the opportunity of buying or selling a home. Last year, there was a home other agents were trying to sell for eight hundred grand. You know what Dave did? Took over the property and sold it for eight fifty. He literally put fifty extra thousand dollars into the client's pocket. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, talk to my man Dave Robles because he will let you know what is going on in this industry here in Los Angeles. Head to the website, daverobles.com, or just call them, 213-712-4343. Do not miss out on this opportunity, folks. Dave Robles, a proud sponsor of Lockdown Rams. The suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a post-mortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trail Blazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We got Jake Ellen Bogan with us from Downtown Rams. It's the Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams, your team every day, only on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Uh, Jake, we're going to get back into a little bit of this offense and defense and things that we've seen that we're doing really well and how to continue them. But I want to talk a little bit about some of the injuries that we have right now. And as of late, been pretty healthy, right? We saw Nassimba Webster uh, is working his way back from an injury. Sean McVay said they're still not going to say if or if he will not play. Uh, this coming Sunday, and even mentioned that Cooper Cup potentially would be the guy that would go back there to receive the punts. And if it's not Cooper, that any of the wide receivers could go back there and make that play. So it'll be interesting to kind of see that. But as you look at a couple of the guys that are out, Everett's still day-to-day, but he's been that way for three weeks with the knee, and and I know they're not going to rush him back. Big Rob um, is back in full practice today. And, you know, my understanding with that is the offense is playing really well right now. And so my question to you is, with the O-line, and we'll start there and we'll talk about the tight end situation in a second, but you know, since things are working out right now, is it wrong of us not to want to see Rob Havenstein back in the lineup? And if it's not at right tackle, do you see him getting in there any other way? What are your thoughts on that? 
I think it's a great question. Um, I don't think it's wrong. I think, you know, you kind of have to go by the law of, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, you know, they did something very similar. Uh, Jamon Brown lost his job. Uh, he actually lost right. it more because of a personal issue where he was suspended. So it kind of sucks in a sense for Rob Havenstein. But, you know, the bottom line is production plays. And if you don't produce, you don't play. And I think, you know, more and more we're starting to see that in the NFL. Um, you're starting to see guys like uh, Laquan Treadwell, who's a first round pick, uh, be overlooked or, or rather, you know, kind of pushed away uh, because it doesn't matter anymore where you were picked. Uh, you're seeing guys around the league, you know, make impact plays regardless of positioning. Perfect example, go back to the Steelers team that beat the Rams. They played Mason Rudolph in that game. They barely won the football game. Former third round pick out of Oklahoma State, who they had as the number one quarterback in that draft. Well, he's benched and they are playing my guy out of Samford. Samford, <laughs> undrafted rookie free agent Devlin Hodges at quarterback. And he is leading them right now to a potential postseason berth that not many Pittsburgh fans thought the first four games of the year. But that's neither here nor there. My point being is that, you know, Havenstein was great last year. He was struggling this year. The Rams, it's not necessarily, you know, that they're blaming it all on Havenstein for the early struggles, but they found something that works. Unfortunately, it doesn't benefit Havenstein, but what doesn't benefit the Rams is them switching back to Havenstein right. uh, in throwing off, you know, the the mojo, the chemistry, and just, you know, all of this, um, you know, the gelling process, uh, you know, the building continuity uh, between five men on this offensive line. And really, you know, it's it's around this time of year, holiday season, you know, the island of misfit toys. Well, let me just tell you right now, Bobby Evans was somebody that, I mean, I didn't really like in the draft. Right. I felt like he was overdrafted. And a lot of people felt, you know, they watched him get obliterated against, you know, pretty much that type of competition going up against, uh, you know, Oklahoma. Um, another example, Austin Blythe, you know, was waived from uh, the Colts as a center. He comes to the Rams, plays at guard. He finds a role. He's, he struggles at guard. They finally move him back to center and he's playing well. Oh, my favorite. And this is the guy I was all over that people said I was insane for liking this trade. Why would you hate it? You trade <laughs> a 2021 pick, basically a throwaway pick for the fact that Cleveland can't develop offensive linemen and somehow think that Greg Robinson is good enough to start right. on their line, but doesn't think that Austin Corbett was worth uh, the hassle of developing. Look, this guy was a 33rd overall pick in 2018. I'm sure Les Snead dug up the old uh, you know, Rams draft board from 2018 and was like, why the hell is this guy on the trade board? Right. <laughs> so it, now he's starting. So, you know, and he's not the greatest, okay? He's not going to be the greatest. But that was a huge uh, move for the Rams. And my point being is that they're they're now, you know, finding guys that work and they're going along with it. And it started off going coming off the bye, being able to evaluate everything on film and be like even little things where McVay's like, you know what? I think we need to swap the two. I think we need to have Blythe at left guard. And I think we need to move Edwards over to right guard. Like things like that are just, you know, I love that about Sean McVay. And I love that about this coaching staff. And, you know, I just think going back to what you said about Jalen Ramsey, I think it's really, you know, been huge. The fact they've been able to go out, they've been ballsy this year, has not gone their way. And uh, they continue to, you know, go full throttle at the ultimate goal of winning a Super Bowl this year and getting revenge 
um, you know, they're going to have to really work hard and, and continue at that. And they have three more games to win. And that's not even a guarantee without help from either right. the Vikings, Packers or both. But the fact of the matter is they've put themselves in a good position now uh, recovering uh, from their early season woes. They're now in a good spot because of, you know, their mixing and matching. And so that's why, to me, I don't think it's anything that Rob Havenstein did or didn't do. I think it's just unfortunate. You know, he suffered an injury. It allowed the Rams to experiment with the rookies that they drafted, including David Edwards and Bobby Evans. And of course, you know, the trade for Austin Corbett. And I think it's worked well. And, you know, I don't see the Rams moving away from that until it completely backfires. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. And I hope that me and you are kind of on the same pathway with Sean McVay and even kind of just trying to dissect his press conference today when he was asked about it. He kind of came out and said, oh, Rob's back at full participation and moved on really quickly. They brought it back up and he said, no, we haven't made a decision yet. And uh, something that they got to go look at. But you couldn't see there. What It almost didn't look like there was that much of an internal struggle where, you know, in his head, he's thinking, man, like you said, don't don't mess with it uh, if it's not broken. And right now it's been the most not broken we've seen all season. So um, there is a question for me as far as, uh, you know, David Edwards. Um, he's kind of in my eyes from kind of watching back. He's almost peaked. Um, he's been moved around a lot. But as far as when you're seeing some pressure, it's always seems to be coming from that right side and, and around his area. Um, is there, is it crazy to think maybe Rob could be plugged in there or is Rob, uh, you know, a tackle and he's not good. They're not going to mess with him sliding him around, but you always hear what, a, uh, you know, Cromer says about playing four positions. Could you see him coming in at a different position? Oh yeah. 100%. And I think, you know, if they don't believe that Corbett is, you know, good enough to, you know, upend Havenstein and keep him out of the, the starting five and make him more of a sixth man. Um, then I think they will probably, um, you know, move him into left guard. And and here's the thing people forget. Um, they were really, they were working around with Havenstein and uh, Jamon Brown. The first year Sean McVay was with the Rams. Uh, they actually moved uh, Jamon Brown to right tackle and Rob Havenstein to right guard. Now they switched back uh, when the season started, but that was pretty much what you were seeing in training camp and in the preseason. So, so it's not crazy know, to it's think not like yeah. Rob Havenstein. Yeah, exactly. It's not like Rob Havenstein has never had any experience at guard. Just like it's not like, uh, you know, David Edwards, who really only played tackle in college, uh, you know, couldn't move inside. And, and he's done that well. And, you know, it just it, these guys, they all have, like the thing is, when you're on the offensive line, yes, the positions are different, but these guys still have the footwork. They have the mentality. They have the overall feel for the game or they don't, but the majority of them do. Right. And really, you know, most of these guys are, you know, all going through the same program, uh, you know, basically led by Aaron Cromer. And I think because of that, you have a lot of cross training um, as a result. Well, the interesting thing is, and Sean McVay talked about, uh, you know, Bobby Evans. And one of the reasons why he thinks he's doing so well right now is that he's had that stable position for the past few weeks. And he's been able to think mentally about the game plan and understand what his job, what his role is, instead of jumping back and forth and trying to learn what the guards doing, what the other, you know, tackles doing and trying to figure out everything at once. He's just really solely focused on what his role is. Uh, so again, maybe one of those things where you just want to keep it the way it is and not have to move people around because, uh, maybe that switching at this point, uh, maybe it's not a good thing. But we'll see because uh, we probably won't find out anything till uh, probably Friday or even Saturday because of the way Sean McVay kind of keeps things close to the vest there. So the other one I want to talk about, 
um, is Gerald Everett. And we don't know when he's going to come back. All signs kind of point that he'll probably sit out again this this game. Um, we've seen, obviously, the tight end position, uh, not only from Higby, but all the guys out there really kind of pitching in in a big way, blocking, and obviously Higby, the main one catching. But uh, let's say he sits out this weekend, next week, Saturday for uh, that 49ers game. He's, all right, I'm good to go, coach. Is that the same situation, though, where, you know, you really like uh, what we've been doing as far as blocking and and that way? Do you try to work Gerald Everett in slowly or do you kind of just stick with what's working? And even though he we think of him as the better pass catcher, Higby's really been doing it all. What are your thoughts on getting him back into the lineup and how you would assess that? It's the same thing. And unfortunately for Gerald Everett, um, you know, it's going to have to be you know, packages that he gets thrown right. into because he doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense to replace Tyler Higby right now in the starting lineup, the way he's playing. Um, and he does it all, you know, he, he's really having a great year uh, or the last two games anyway, but he was having a good year anyway uh, with the fact, you know, Jared Goff hasn't been able to, he hasn't been able to have the season that you expected, but on top of it, you have Robert Woods, you have Brandon cooks, Cooper cup, uh, you know, Jared, he's not going to get it to Tyler Higby on most nights. So, you know, the last two weeks, it says a lot. I know they're very close in, in friendship. So maybe, you know, I'm not really surprised there. I think Gerald, the, his biggest issue, the reason he was injured is because he can't block. Uh, he has a really, um, he, he struggles as far as, you know, just at, from the point of attack and, and his, uh, his technique just isn't very good. And, you know, it really put him in a bad situation where, you know, he made an unnecessary false step and it, you know, I thought it tore his ACL. Um, it's definitely hurt him. It, you know, he's lucky he dodged right. the bullet there, but it kind of goes to show you though. And the fact that, you know, Sean McVay, I was watching the press conference after the game and, you know, he had a lot of good things to say about Johnny yeah. Munt. So, I know everyone thinks that, oh, t- you know, Tyler Higby is going to get traded. What if I threw a curveball at you and said Gerald Everett could yeah. get traded? At some well, point? you're right, because he's not the one under the contract. He is now looking like a flexible piece that could be moved. And, you know, talk about Johnny Munt. That's a guy that I owe an apology to. Uh, you said it a little bit earlier about Bobby Evans. You were a little bit wrong on that one from the get go. And I'd have to be I was wrong about Johnny Munt. I remember when we had this conversation about. If we're keeping three tight ends, I'd rather take one of the undrafted guys and give them a chance. And Johnny Munt's had his chance, and it's time to go, you know, packing. And here he well, is. I was with you on that, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess, okay, so we both owe him an apology. Uh, because, man, the last two games, when been inserted into the lineup, and I think that's key for him, is getting those snaps. If you just look at the snap count, which we talked about on Tuesday episode, um, he's getting involved in there, and I think you're right about the package for Gerald Everett. If he does come back, and almost going to use him as a fourth wide receiver or a fifth wide receiver because we've seen Josh Reynolds getting a lot of playing time as well. Uh, and kind of, you know, maybe it's a 10, 14 play package where he gets just the snaps to go out there and maybe he can contribute in the passing game. Uh, but what we've been doing right now, I'd like to stay as close to it as possible because it looks like that offense that we fell in love with last year. Uh, and we know what we're getting from the defense. So uh, we'll talk more about that on the other side. We're going to get into a little bit of the predictions, how we think the game's going to play out, some thoughts on this Dallas game, uh, and a little bit more. All that coming up on the Thursday edition Lockdown Rams. Jake and Bear, more right after this. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. 
After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. Thursday edition of Lockdown Rams. Welcome back in. We've got Jake Allen Bogan with us from Downtown Rams. Make sure to go give him a follow at JK Bogan DTR as well as Downtown Rams. You can find me, LA underscore Rambling Bear on Twitter and at Lockdown Rams, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Reach out to us. We always appreciate you guys uh, leaving comments, whether that's on Facebook or Instagram and, and retweeting on Twitter and, and interacting. We always do appreciate that. And uh, go check us out on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Himalaya. Subscribe, leave a comment, all that good stuff. You guys know the deal. Uh, but we're back here talking about uh, this game. We're doing a lot of, um, I want to say, almost self-scouting in this this episode. We've been talking about the players and how we've gotten to this point and the injuries and who should come, who should go uh, as far as into that lineup. But here as we go into this third segment, I want to talk about this game. When you look at this, because we've talked about this the past couple of days, you know, Dak, number one in, in passing yards, Zeke, top five in rushing yards, Cooper, uh, top five in receiving yards, and they've even got uh, Jalen Smith, fourth in tackles. So there's people popping off all over the place, uh, but they're just not getting it done, right? Coaching a lot of that, and really it looks like Jason Garrett may uh, only have a few games left under his belt as the head coach, but what scares you about this Dallas team as far as if you were going to give the pregame talk to the team and say, hey, guys, we cannot overlook this game. What are the things that you would you know, point out in talking to the team? Yeah, um, you know, I think first and foremost, they have a dangerous running back, um, you know, Dak Prescott, as much as I've clowned him in the offseason. Um, <clears throat> Prescott's had a solid year. I mean, it's become solid because it was great early in the year. And then, you know, Dallas kind of got exposed, but he still has the talent and, you know, he still can make you work. And I didn't think he played all that bad the last time you played. Plus, hell, this is a, an organization that you knocked out of the playoffs. You knocked them out of the right. playoffs last year. So I'm sure they're hungry for this game, just like the Saints were, uh, you know, in L.A. Uh, week two. Trust me, I was there. They they wanted that. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I think uh, I think that first you could start with that. Second, you know, this is a team that literally um, doesn't know if they're going to be in the playoffs or not, just like you. Um, all, you know, although things are looking, uh, you know, good for them since, you know, the Eagles really don't look all that great. The Eagles did just win. And so it does make, you know, every win <clears throat> necessary. Um, but on top of that, you know, you don't really know the future of that organization. You don't know if this is a coach that you're going to be playing for moving forward. Say what you will about Jason Garrett. But when you're the coach that long, there are a lot of players in that locker room that are going to respect you. Um, so, you, you know, in a sense, you could take the idea that the Falcons had uh, when, you know, everything came out that, um, you know, Dan Quinn was going to potentially lose his job. And <clears throat> you had those players coming out and, you know, wanting to to win it for Quinn. And, 
you know, when you have players playing for you like that, that's another thing. So maybe Garrett gets some of that. Plus, they are better. They are a better football team or more talented than their record indicates. So, yeah, like, you know, yes, I think Jalen Ramsey can absolutely take Amari Cooper out of the game. Amari Cooper's taken himself out of the game before this year. Um, So I wouldn't be shocked by that. But they have talent and they have a good offensive line as well. That's um, not playing entirely up to par, but. All it takes is one game, man. It's a- any given Sunday. Um, you know, no, I don't think anybody saw, you know, the Bengals finally winning a football game and, and the way they did, you know, the beat down uh, against the Jets. I mean, I, I just don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that well, even, yeah, looking, looking at the Rams, like no one really going into that Arizona game. Me and you were talking about, man, this is probably could be the, the beginning of the end. Right. And all of a sudden, two weeks later, we're sitting here going playoffs. Here we come. Right? <laughs> and so it really takes, especially in that division. Right. I mean, yeah. talking with lockdown Cowboys yesterday is he was even saying, we're not even too worried about this game in the sense of, uh, as not much of a must win as you know the next one versus the Eagles is because the Eagles have been that bad that they're almost expecting the Eagles to lose a couple more times or you know whatever it may be that <laughs> the big game for them is actually uh, coming up in a week. So, uh, but that's the thing where uh, you brought up the Atlanta Falcons. And that's a very good example because you know they were talking Dan Quinn's out of here and all of a sudden the Falcons come alive and even in the couple of the games that they lost they were right there uh, you know playing tough and that's the one thing that you see from the Cowboys. Uh, that Thanksgiving game, they fought back and forth and just couldn't make the plays. They had some mental mistakes and things like that. But in that Bears game, there was a point, and Dak didn't give up. That offense didn't give up because they came down and, and scored some points, even though I think the Bears softened up the defense a little bit. But um, that defense, man, just the the lackluster attempt and some of the tackling and the head down and the defeated look and you know that type of thing, I think this Dallas defense might quit on Sunday. Uh, I think that our uh, that their offense may continue to battle, but that defense, man, looked like it gave up on the coach, and we'll see how that kind of plays out. But with all that said, and we're going into prediction time, um, what are your thoughts on the score of this game and how it's going to turn out? Well, unfortunately, at this point in the podcast, uh, apparently the recording stopped for Jake. This is probably on my end uh, with the program that we use. So I'll just fill you in on what he said because I just had this conversation. I'm now in the editing process and realized we have no answer from Jake. So so Jake had a big win for the Rams. I wrote down 38-17. He talked about this offense just being able to score. He talked about the history of the game of the Cowboys versus the Rams and even looking back to that game when we were back in Dallas and Greg Zerline had those record setting, I think it was seven field goals and we won that game coming back here to the Coliseum in the playoff game that we just played Dallas really well. And he expects obviously some big points to be scored as we've seen our offense come into a whole new world in these past two games. So he had it 38 17 and we'll just kick back to my prediction now as we close out this podcast, but back to our game, uh, I'm with you. I think uh, our defense is going to be too much. Uh, They're, they're a talented team, but I think our offense where it's been clicking, uh, getting that going. And even if, it's not up to par. We don't go over that 30 mark uh, that we still can manage. You know, if we get 21 points, I still think we win this football game. I think we'll do a little bit better than that. I got it as a 27-13 ball game. Um, I think you talked about Dallas in the last few weeks. They started hot, uh, and they they tend to finish hot. It's the middle of the game that's really been the issue for them. So I think they'll score maybe in the first quarter and maybe again in the fourth quarter, but that's about it. Uh, they're going to have to set, settle for some field goals because the one thing our defense does do, if it gives up yards, it does that bend but don't break, and they make you settle for those three. So uh, I like, again, the Rams 27-13 in this one. 
Uh, if we go over 30, I wouldn't be surprised either. But, man, it's going to be a good game. It's always fun playing the Dallas Cowboys because it's America's team. And you get to, like you mentioned, the Rams have played them pretty well, kicking them out of the playoffs last year. So uh, it's always fun when you go and beat guys like the Dallas Cowboys, whether they're uh, got the record they do or even better. So hopefully it's a good game. Hopefully we just come out healthy again because down this stretch, I think that's going to be important as we talked about the offense line and some of the other injuries we're dealing with. But Jake, man, we appreciate it so much. We look forward to talking to you again next week. That's a big matchup we got next week on Saturday Night Football, back in the prime time versus the 49ers. So, man, take it easy, and we'll talk to you again next week. Uh, with that said, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time. Peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.